It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. Outdoor Research makes great looking and high performing gear for all types of adventure. Their apparel is so solid that OR is like that ski partner that always seems to have hot drinks, or the climbing partner that jumps at the chance to lead the scary off with pitch to the summit. If OR gear could talk, it would say just the right thing to make it all better when you start to feel nervous about the next lead, or when you yard sail off a kicker right in front of a pack of snarky groms. So if you want gear that feels like a high five and a fist bump on a badass summit, hit up OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop and feel like you found a new best friend. Training is everywhere. Actual climbing, less so. Are climbers training to get better at training, or are they training to get better at climbing? It's hard to tell just based on what you see on social media. That's why we decided to bring in an expert, someone who could help us decipher what the latest trends in training for climbing are, and maybe learn about what's legit and what's a waste of time. Joining us today is Dan Mursky a professional trainer and perpetually psyched rock climber. He's one of the few guys I know who literally warms up on 514. This is the Runout Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Andrew Bisharat, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Chris Calouse. In this episode, we ended up not covering as much territory as I would have liked. In fact, once the mics went off, we actually started getting into some of the more interesting stuff, such as why doing routes in the gym is a complete waste of time, even if you're interested in training endurance. I think we'll probably have to get Dan on again so we can dive into some of these other training topics. And on that note, if there's anything you're interested in hearing discussed, feel free to email us. You can find our contact info at runoutpodcast.com but I think it's just Andrew or Chris at runoutpodcast.com, respectively. On that note, since we've been doing these episodes now for a few months, I think we're starting to find our groove. We really haven't done much in the way of promoting our show, so it's especially surprising and meaningful to hear so much great feedback. So thank you for that. It really means a lot. Obviously, any reviews on iTunes help, and just sharing episodes with your friends is also appreciated. Anyway, let's get to it. Here we are with Dan Mursky. Uh, Chris, I heard you climbed in the gym over the holiday break, and it was a excellent performance. Yeah, yeah, I had I, I've had two only two uh, roped climbing gym experiences in the last month, and that one was a, I I was in Chicago, the Chicago area. I can't remember the gym. I would give a shout out. I would give a shout out if I could remember what it was. But anyway, they, um, after climbing in there and, and just flailing so poorly that, that my girlfriend, Steph, looked at me at the end of the night and said, in, in the six years I've known you, that's the worst I've ever seen you climb. Ouch. Yeah. But yeah. I did have an excuse that, that like. You're getting old and yeah. out of shape. <laughs> no, that's my usual excuse. <laughs> I had a normal, like pretty pertinent excuse that I'd had a stomach bug like two or three days before where I'd just completely evacuated every ounce of liquid. The old 47-year-old stomach bug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I know that one. <laughs> so, I don't know. I was kind of, I, I think I would, that had a limiting factor. But I climbed in the gym uh, in Salt Lake City just yesterday, and, you know, I, I didn't... You redeemed yourself? I didn't, like, you know, 
turn any heads, but I didn't shame myself either. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. So that's good yeah. for, for January. That's pretty good. Uh, I saw you had a post the other day about just being, <laughs> being stoked, like just to go climb in the gym. Yeah. I didn't know what you were referring to. That was it. Yeah. I knew that I was going to go to one. I didn't know which gym you knew it was in gonna Salt be good, Lake, though. but it was going to be rad. Like yeah. it's going to be bigger and taller than like half the Craig's and rifle. Yeah. And I was like, sweet. So yeah, <laughs> it's funny living in a small town. We have a bouldering gym here now, but not having like a modern gym nearby it's like you're going cragging to like a new crag. It's like Disneyland or yeah, something. Fully. Yeah, I get super climbers. excited to go yeah. um, down to these, you know, I think what people are calling mega gyms. Because mm-hmm. they are mega. Like, I mean, you get up on the top of the wall and you're like, whoa. I mean, I'm twice as high as the freaking Ruckman Cave right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it's all about is yeah. how high you can get off the ground. Yeah. And it's not, <laughs> well, no, it's about how much higher than the Ruckman Cave you can right. get off the ground. <laughs> So we are here with uh, a good friend, Mr. Daniel Mursky, who has become something of a training guru. And we invited him on the the show to um, inform us about just what the latest trends are in training so that we don't humiliate ourselves next time we go to one of these mega gyms. Um, so thanks for being here, Dan. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to do this thing and chat with you guys. Is it accurate to call you a training guru or do you prefer training master or <laughs> training doctor? Um, mm, probably doctor. Doctor? You don't get a doctor. <laughs> you got to go to college for like 12 years for that, don't you? Or did yeah, you get but, one? Or you can just do something else like donate a library or something like That's that. That's true. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Just the guru doesn't sit that well with me mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, training guy. Training guy. Yeah. Dr. Yeah, J wasn't guy. an actual doctor. Does anyone no. remember Dr. J? Dr. J was a doctor. No, he wasn't. He was a doctor. <laughs> he was a chiropractor. Slam dunk. It, it, it was an Australian chiropractor, which I think is like higher than the American version. What are you talking about? Wait, are we talking, talking about, about Julius Irving? No. Or are we talking about the Dr. J from the climbing bag? I'm, oh, talking, I'm talking about Julius I was Julius talking about Julius oh, Irving. I, it was, I was talking about Julian Saunders. <laughs> I was only, thinking, there's only one Dr. J. Yeah. Okay. My bad. That uh, my mind was in uh, climbing, training, and health. Oh, so, that's right. So, Dr. Is that what J this was, is about. Is that what this, this yeah. is that what this podcast is about? <laughs> okay. So, Dan, I mean, you've been climbing for how many years now? And you can just give us a little spray down of of just kind of where your climbing is and how long you've been a part of it and and what your background is with training. Yeah. So, uh, I've been climbing personally uh for about 17 or 18 years now um i was actually around it a lot even when i was much younger than that but i kind of see the beginning of my my life as a climber was uh when i went to colorado college and in 2001 i kind of started sport climbing then and since then then since i graduated from cc i guess i i really sort of started making my life be about climbing in some capacity, you know, mostly just like everyone else. I'm my own climber and trying to, uh, still improve and get stronger. And, uh, through that and through opportunities I had, um, I have kind of gotten more exposed into the training side of climbing, uh, both as an athlete being trained. And then, um, uh, that sort of led me to be more interested in coaching and training other people too. Uh, it seems like training these days is, um, everywhere. Um, and in some ways people are more interested in training, I think, than performance outdoors. Is that an accurate assessment? Um, yeah, I hope not. 
But it sure seems that way, huh? Yeah, a lot of people are really psyched on the idea of training, mm-hmm. which like is, is pretty understandable, especially if you're someone who doesn't necessarily live near climbing or get to go outside climbing that often. Training can become this thing that has like its own end of improving at training. Now, when we say training, I always think of training as something that's not climbing related or not climbing specific. So not climbing outside, not climbing in a gym even, but doing like exercises that would supposedly improve your climbing level. Yeah, I think that the what falls under the umbrella of training, in my mind, certainly involves a lot of climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's maybe something that's even new in the, in that idea of, of what training is. Uh, I think there was definitely a, a period in our short history of training for climbing and figuring out what that actually means that the, that you are, what you just said, it was what people thought of when they were training, they were lifting weights or, you know, at most doing like the hangboard or using a campus board or something like that. But I, I see that, um, a lot of, and I see this in other people who are coaching and the people who I respect in the industry are definitely recognizing that there needs to be some balance of climbing as training for climbing as well as those other components. You know, and I think about it in terms of all types of training, people that go to the gym and hit a, hit a, uh, elliptical or any of those things, or even lift weights, those people aren't really, they don't have like a specific right. thing. They're just like, well, I want to be fit. I want to be healthy. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, I mean the training for training's purpose is definitely has a background in that as well. Yeah. And as outdoor climbers that came to training after we were climbers, you know, we always feel like it has to have this you know, direct purpose into, I want to climb this great outside or I want to climb, but that doesn't, when you think about it, it's completely logical that someone would want to just come in and climb to be fit and to train to be fit. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they, I'll, I'll definitely see people who are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm training in the gym today. And then they just go in and they just climb in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a word for, yeah. So is, is you, that training? Do you think? Uh, no, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, no, I, I, this is a point of confusion for me because, um, I mean, you could, it, it just depends on how you kind of categorize it in your head. I mean, even like climbing outdoors, you could say I'm training right now, right. training pitches or I'm doing laps on routes I've already done, um, all for the sake of getting fitter. Right. As Chris just said, training for training. Yeah. Training for training, but also just training because it's like this constant state of progression in climbing that you're always, you're never satisfied with where you are. Is there's always a new level of happiness that you think you can achieve? Well, it also drops down to, it's not that type of climbing. Like, let's say you're doing laps on routes to get pumped. You're not really, you know, on a goal of getting to the top of something or to red point something. So you know, you call it training because it's just kind of throwaway climbing in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's wrong, but that's like when I'm like, oh yeah, it's a training day. It means that I'm just going to be aimless and do pitches. Right. Which is Until you silly. feel really tired. Yeah. And then you know and that then, you did you, some good you, training. And you think it's some foundational thing that you're doing for another day when then you'll 
you'll climb better. Right. But it's told, I mean, I'm just, just laughing. But that's pretty, it's pretty haphazard. Isn't that why you say, oh, it's a training day? And you're like, well, what are you going to do? And you're like, I don't do it bunch It means like a non-serious day. Yeah. Yeah. Which is I'm gonna, totally fuck opposite. Off yeah. yeah. Which is what real training. And like, uh, you know, I just t- talked to Mark Twite on, a, on another, my other podcast, the Enormacast, or for the Enormacast, the Jim Jones guy and all that. And like, he would just slap me in the face. Is like, oh, your lazy day is your training day. He'd be like, no, no, no. The day that you're like, going right. to go maximum through the roof and puke your guts out is your training day. You know, your lazy days when you're climbing. Right. Yeah. I think that it's interesting because it's almost like the, the dynamic of what other sports, how other sports, um, their relationship to the training is, is opposite in climbing. Yeah. Totally. Because the, because in climbing, it's like you have to uh, get to a certain high level for training to even be valuable right? Like training could be just like going and having fun climbing for like 90% of the population. Sure. And that would be like good training for them, but it's really, they're just climbing. It's like, they're doing the thing that they're training for. And that's the most, that's the best training. Oh man, we're in such a deep rabbit hole right now. Of like what training <laughs> and who's training yeah, okay. and why so they're let's training. Move on. So, so yeah. So tell us who should be training, whatever that means. My opinion is that Anyone who has a goal that they want to work towards could probably more effectively achieve that goal by training specifically for it. So what that training looks like is what is different depending on the person. Right. And just like you were saying, for a lot of people out there, the best training they could be doing is practicing their climbing skills. And then now we're going to add like into our rabbit hole, what training is, what's practicing versus training, like, you know, but climbing is a skill sport. So for the, for the majority of people, if they got better at the skill of climbing, that's their like best ticket to improvement. But do you see, I guess where the, to just tie all of this together, do you see a lot of people who are training in that they're doing like weighted hangboarding and what they really should be doing is climbing the is using, like, floor using and, learning how to use their feet. Yeah. 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 That seems like a very common, uh, prevalent thing in the, in the training world right now. I, th- I think that's definitely true. Um, I think it's, there's all these articles about the best hangboard protocol. There's all these pictures on social media of people training. And so people think that they should be doing that too. Right. Um, so what, so give us the bottom line in your expert opinion is how would you categorize who should be, who should be doing that? Who should be doing weighted hangboarding? Yeah. Like that kind of like training that specialized, I I think when you should be starting to do that kind of specialized training is when essentially when you've tapped out your ability to improve through just practicing climbing Mm. and going climbing. Mm. How do you know when you've tapped out? A plateau? Yeah, a plateau, sure. Yeah, I mean... Like, if you can't get the your project in one day, is that, <laughs> does that mean you're tapped out? I don't or even like think if years. you've... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as I someone who spent a lot of time projecting rock climbs, I don't, a, a day doesn't even qualify. It's not even, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even I, show up on my radar screen. I think that we're forgetting kind of a modern practical component is that... And, and something that I've been thinking about in terms of my climbing and, and quote unquote training is that there is a there is just a, a logistic thing to the one versus the other. And so going climbing, let's say, is way more time consuming and sort of a, I think it's can be a kind of a difficult return on investment where training in the sense of like what you do 
Dan, and, and give people programs, um, it's, it's a lot about just, you know, your time, you know, because you can go in and you can do some sort of training thing that only takes an hour or two, Totally, you know, going to the crags all day. Most people, I mean, so a lot of people I coach are super high end rock climbers, but they're people who don't have all the time in the world to just like go. Then they don't have all the days in the world to go outside rock climbing. And even when they're in a gym, they don't have hours and hours to just sit there and, at the you know on, on the mats at the base of Milmo and like project the purple route and make it a day at the crag they've got like 90 minutes right and so what i help them do is be as efficient and productive mm. in 90 minutes as they could possibly be and they don't necessarily have the time resources to figure that out on their own so then having a coach to help you train becomes yeah. a productive thing for a, a lot of people well and, and with the boards too i mean you know, I, I definitely have eased into climbing on boards mm-hmm. and, you know, it takes a while to figure out w- even how to use them. And then I'm always just like, well, I'm just climbing on this board. Like I would be bouldering on those bouldering problems over there. And I'm like, maybe I should be doing something different. You know what I mean? Like, it's not always intuitive what all that shit's for mm. up there on the loft of whatever gym you're at yeah. where the, where the, you know, grim tough guys are with their headphones on, you know, and you're walked up, you're like, <laughs> I mean, it can be super intimidating. And you know, Excel you gotta, spreadsheets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're, I mean, to somebody I've been climbing forever and I was just like, I'm not going over there. Like when I'd be at some gym that with, you know, some crazy training guys, just like, grunting away over there so i mean i'm just saying like there's the training thing isn't always necessarily goal oriented in the end it's just like well this seems to be a great way to maximize my time or to be comfortable in the gym and because i wander around gyms like an idiot so often the amount of time people just sort of wander and waste in the gym is, is it, it, pretty it, impressive. You know, if that's important to you, sometimes right. wandering but in you, the gym is like relaxing. And, yeah, well, for right. sure. Or it's, it's your social thing on Tuesday night, you go hang out with your friends and you go bouldering and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that either. So, uh, one, tra- if we're going to talk about trends and training, oh, yeah, right now, that's so, what we're doing. Yeah. So, um, rem- I guess this idea of like coaching people remotely is a fairly new concept in climbing. Um, maybe, just the team of two is maybe the first to take a stab at it or training. Yeah. I, I don't know who, what the history is of this, but it's, it's, I would say it's in the last like five, to, five to six years or so. That yeah. This, maybe even maybe a little longer than that. Yeah. I think I remember working with uh, Dave wall mm-hmm. in uh, Boulder and that was maybe even 10 years ago, mm. but I, uh, he's someone I really respect in, in the coaching training world. And I think he was like really ahead of his time actually. Um, which was unfortunate because I thought he had a lot of really cool things to offer, but I don't think a lot of climbers at that point were will, willing to like wrap or could wrap their mind around the idea of paying for training or paying for coaching. Right. So how, how would you say remote coaching? Uh, maybe there's a sexier word for that. I don't know, but how has that uh, changed in the last 10 years and where is it at now? And maybe what are the pluses and minuses of, of going that route? Actually, actually, could I preface that yeah. before we get to that? It's like, because I've been threatening to do this, but I actually haven't gotten there yet. What does it look like? Like, give us a little quick idea. If someone's never even thought about this idea that someone could be training them remotely, what, what does it even look like if I'm like a user? I, I, I basically work, I, I work through the Front Climbing Club, actually. Um, and so that's the, who employs me. But then, and so someone would become a member of uh, training sign up for a training program with me as their coach and 
if we're in different places where, and at this point I coach people in Virginia and California and New York. And so sometimes I, I don't get to meet the people. Um, you know, I'll start by talking to them on the phone and, you know, as much as possible, I like to get as, as best I can without being there with them, get to know them, understand who they are as rock climbers, their rock climbing history and background and, and what their goals are for, for climbing. Um, and then is the first question you ask, have you climbed Everest? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, El Cap. <laughs> um, and then we have kind of like a built out assessment that we'll take people through. And so uh, I'll work, talk to them about that. And that, that components, you know, for us to get sort of like baseline numbers of strength and ability to just get an idea of who this person is, because as it turns out, people aren't really that good at like their at self-assessment. They're like, well, you know, how hard do you climb? And they, Oh yeah, well I climbed V7 because they had done like one V7 in the in the bouldering gym one time. But in any event, you sort all that out through conversations with mm-hmm. people. Um, and so once we've sort of gone through that assessment process, identified what it is they want to train for, what their goals are, then I start building out uh, a training schedule for them. And they essentially have an account in this program called True Coach. And they open up their True Coach account and they have a calendar. And it has on, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays training uh, work, uh, a day of training for them. So then they can open up that day and there's like the extra, each exercise they do, there's a way we write them out if we want things to be linked together. So you do this one, then that one, then the other one. And then you do that three times and you take this rest and that's all written out in this, uh, through this computer program. And then they can even have, there's a, iPhone app for that as well. And they can open that up so they can even have their training plan with them in the gym. And as they go through each workout, they enter results. And when they submit their workout, that's done. Then I get a notification as their coach that they've completed their workout and it's got all their results. So then I I sit there on my computer and I can look at what all my athletes just did the night before in the gym. And then uh, I interface with them through that by commenting you know, encouragement or answering questions. And, um, and then based on the, you know, results of what they did and their compliance, which, you know, despite yeah, I was people, say, do you get your, do you get alerts when they don't do it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you just like have a big old, like you have a dozen donuts delivered to their house. You're just like, you might as well just eat all these. <laughs> You'd be surprised how, I mean, it's, you just know, go ahead. People eat have them. like the best intentions, but a lot of there are people who no, that would be me. <laughs> that would be really mean. Yeah. I've Check never me out. That. It's no, no. I mean, that would be me. The oh. skipping the damn thing. Cynicalcoach.com. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> just eat these donuts and be done. You're worthless anyway. <laughs> Anyway, give that a try. That's a yeah, free tip. I'll keep that one uh, in mind. I think that I would actually be more motivated if I had a coach who would send me donuts. Uh, if you did, just out of shame. If you did yeah. just with like to the shame most you cynical, or to hateful, you. hateful letter. <laughs> I don't know. I think I may be more motivated by shame than, than uh, positive feedback. <laughs> but that's just my writing background. So, yeah, we can rewind to your question. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Give us the pluses and minuses of of how this remote coaching works. Where do, where do you think it's really effective, and where does it come up short? Um, so I think that you know a lot of people go into the gym and they have three hours or two hours or ninety minutes, and they just see they're like you, Chris. They see all these things like the hangboard and the campus board and the the moon board, and but they don't really know what to do with any of it. But they know they want to use it. 
and they kind of just mess around on all those things and a couple hours goes by and they hope by the end of that they feel tired because then they trained yeah you just described my exact experience <laughs> and, and you're not alone in that i mean it's there it's sort of overwhelming now the number of things that are in a rock climbing gym and the number of like articles and videos there are about training so people are I think finding that uh, uh, instead of spending hours sorting through all the stuff on social media and figuring out like what the latest training trend is, they could hire a coach to help them sort through that all and to design an effective program for them that they could execute within the amount of time they actually have to spend in the gym. It's like step one, delete Instagram. Yeah. Step one, stop looking (laughs) on the most recent professional climbers, newest hangboard protocol to beat them all other hangboard protocols. Yeah. So yeah, I see that as a benefit. I think one of the the downsides of remote coaching is I can't sit there in the climbing gym and watch everyone climb. Mm -hmm. I I have my athletes take videos of themselves climbing a lot so I can see how they move, you know, because so everyone wants to just get stronger, but Mm -hmm. we kind of like, and there was definitely this swing to just getting stronger is like, that's the answer. Just get stronger on the hangboard. Be able to have your weighted pull-ups, whatever. But like, Climbing is a skill sport. As, right. as, we have know. a lot of strong people right now who don't know how to climb. Right. Do, yeah. do you, um, you, you can't display that strength if you don't know how to, if your feet are just like roller right. skates on the wall. Yeah. Do you counsel them that once they take the video and send it to you, they're not allowed to put it on Instagram? <laughs> it's my video yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> Only I can put it on Instagram. If you're doing that, if you're not doing that, please start. <laughs> uh, so just tonight as i was at the gym mm-hmm. training so in quote air quotes <laughs> nice. um uh this dude was ta- talking to me about tom randall who's a british rock climber yeah and training guru slash doctor he's definitely a guru yeah so he's, he's got made up that whole lattice board he's definitely thing. not got the a lattice doctor. board <laughs> <laughs> he's got um a, a, a bunch of data, I guess, that he's compiled about performance versus just uh, so performance on like a hangboard and how that correlates to outdoor rock climbing. And apparently, it's like, according to this person who told me this tonight, it's so good that if you he if he looks at your time that you can hang on a standard edge, and then he can he sees how long you can hang hang with X amount of weight, he can pinpoint exactly how hard you climb outside. <laughs> That's what I was told tonight in the, in the gym. Is, what do you think of that? Is I that think, true? I think James has looked into his data too about, um, about body mass index as mm-hmm. well. He's got all that on there as well. You got to remember that these guys are from the UK. So You're off the charts, your body is off the charts, Chris. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so they're skinny and they have really, really strong fingers. <laughs> and those are the things that they think are important. Yeah. No, um, I think Tom's awesome. And I think that the his uh, collecting of all this data is exactly what we need in training for rock climbing. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way. That's how you figure out what actually works and what doesn't work, right? It's through through that kind of data. And, and obviously, your ability... Your your isometric forearm contraction ability, your finger strength essentially, is going to be an extremely telling factor in how hard you can rock climb. Um, but obviously, that's a, a really oversimplification of a very more complex. Well, what's the thing. point of having that then? I guess what's the point of collecting all that data if 
I mean, if, if I could hang on an edge for 10 seconds and with X pounds, and he says that that makes me climb 12 C there's probably a lot of 12 C's in the world I could climb. And there's probably just as many I couldn't climb Certainly. You know, if they were like cracks or things that I wasn't good at. Uh, so what's, what's the point of even knowing that information? I what mean, I'm getting just, at is right. just cl- the skill in climbing is so right. underrated and up re- underrepresented aspect that just seems totally. to be lost in how much focus is on bringing in exterior training protocols that are applicable to like Olympic weightlifting or something like that, where there's one exercise, one right form to do it. And right. it's like, that's all you're trying to do. It's such a simple thing. Climbing is so, so complex. And so there's so much natural talent and skill that goes into climbing really, really hard that, um, I think is lost or maybe it's not lost. It just gets undervalued, undervalued. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and over, what's getting overvalued is strength is training for improving your strength, which can only seems like it can only take you so far. Right. Because if you don't have the skills to, display that strength then you could possess all the strength in the world but it doesn't really matter yeah yeah um so i mean I, you know tom's lattice is a is a business tom is coaching writing training plans similarly to the way i am he's on his things on a much bigger scale he has this board that he's created for an assessment and i i don't i, I would have to research this more to understand more completely what what's going on i think maybe whoever said that to you at the gym might be oversimplifying the oversimplification of <laughs> right how, how how they identify someone's impossible. ability to rock climb yeah. possible impossible but, yeah he saw me just like doing nothing in the corner of the gym looking at my phone right. and he's like here's an easy mark <laughs> <laughs> dude all you actually have to do is this and and, and obviously the point isn't for Tom Randall to tell you what you already know, which is how hard you climb, mm. but to use this systematized assessment process to help you to improve in rock climbing. And so it'd be something where you test your, you know, your max hang on this edge at a certain amount of time, and then you see improvement through that. And then he's drawing a correlation between how, why it's worthwhile to see improvement in that because it has a strong correlation to improvement in your rock climbing performance. Mm. So without giving away any sort of tricks, because, you know, we don't want to undersell being coached by someone like you, but in terms of the boards and the hangboard and all these sorts of things, like, what do you think in terms of a person who's just thinking about, well, what can I do besides just like throwing myself a boulder problems? Like what's the best bang for your buck? You know, is, is it the hangboard? Is that yeah, like the, yeah. it's a hangboard? Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about the hangboard is keeping it simple is, is the best thing you can do. And you, if you've never trained on a hangboard before, the simplest plan with the fewest number of hangs. So you're not going to hurt yourself, but you're, training your fingers and your finger strength, which just like in Tom Randall's one, uh, assessment to rule them all, (laughs) you know, it it is the best indicator of your ability to climb hard. It's how, how strong your hands are. Uh, so anyone could improve their finger strength on a hangboard. It's a totally controlled environment and that will help you be a stronger rock climber. Assuming you are also a good, you know, improving at the sport of rock climbing. Right. Right. Yeah, I would say, yeah, the hangboard. It's got to be the one thing. So what's up with the boards? 
moon board, kilter board, tension board. Board wars. Board wars. There's What's, a lot of boards out there. I mean, the uh, campus board, that's like the original board. Well, Cats. Cat, yeah. Yeah. Sp- the, the spray wall. Spray wall. Yeah. Yeah. So um, There's, what, what's going on with that? Is that the future of training or is that a thing of the past? Well, it's like, you know, that's kind of like the other direction that was from these parkour jump problems is like the, the moon board was just the the commercialized version of the old school uh, schoolroom board that those guys climbed on in the UK. And so it's basically going in the other direction and, and making straight angled bad hold climbing mm. more accessible to more people, which it, I'm certainly of the a belief that that's like, that, that's the best kind of training straight on for pulling. Climbing. Yeah. For improving at outdoor climbing, uh, straight on pulling on bad holds with bad feet. As, and so I, I think the boards are here to stay, but it's kind of like the the complete opposite end of the spectrum of the the mega climbing gym. Is then you, in the corner you have, you have the the I don't know how big are these climbing gyms these days? Hundreds of thousands of square feet, twenty thousand yeah. feet. Yeah, it's gigantic. And then, but there's ten people or more than ten people all crowded around the moon board. Right, twelve foot, twelve foot by twelve foot yeah. board. Right. Um. So it's kind of this funny thing, right? And 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 again, like everything else, people see it on social media they think that oh this is what i have to be doing because i saw someone else climbing on the the moon board i I don't think the moon board is for everyone and i don't and i think that's fine you know there's you have great route setters in your gyms climb the boulder problems that where you learn how to use your feet and your technique and you're on a variety of holds and and angles and styles of climbing if you want something higher end than that and you're trying to train explosive power climb on the moon board or, you know, if you have a you don't have access to an awesome mega gym and you're trying to build something in your garage, the moonboard is also an awesome choice because of it's the way that you're all connected to everyone else who's climbing on the moonboard and you instantly have access to ten thousand boulder problems to climb. Yeah. So or, that makes it a really cool thing. Our, our our listenership is pretty core too, so I think that most people are safe to get on the moonboard. Yeah. I mean it's been it's been enlightening to me because the other thing is what you just said, that connectivity thing is, is I think the, the genius of that. Yeah, and I don't sure. know if they invented it or whatever, but I feel like that was the first time I really heard of that. And, and, you know, aside from like me wandering around the climbing gym, like an idiot, there's also that feeling of like isolation. If you, if you build yourself a little training facility, yeah. you know, everyone I've heard that's successful at that, they've got a group, you know, like the, the shrimp shack up in Salt Lake city and stuff like totally. you got to have these other people to motivate you because if you're just in there by yourself, right. But now you can yeah, go but on you've got this weird app. remote yeah, motivation yeah. to, mm. to just tell you what to do. And yeah. you know, it's not, it's like, you know, freedom. Don't tell me what to do. It's like really the coaching thing and all that stuff is it's really helpful honestly to have someone to tell you what to do totally you know and yeah. that's all it is it's tell easier me what to, to listen. give me a polder problem yeah. oh there it is instead of like well maybe i'll try to connect you know my hand to that one and then put my foot there it's like no tell me what to do i yeah. need to be told what to do because the rock tells you what to do yeah you don't just get to choose so i mean it's like well i think it's getting deep i mean yeah. it's just like it's really been a revelation to me to where i can i can i see its appeal it's drawn me in in a way that like is surprising to but me. But why would you climb? Like if you went to shout out monkey house, our new bouldering gym here in Carbondale, I've seen you climb there a couple times. Would you go there and use the moon board? Yeah. I, ha- I mean, lately I have been. 
That's all I do. Have you climbed all the boulder problems that they no. set on their walls? No. I don't like to fall off, um, like, higher than my head. <laughs> okay, fair. So is there another my ba- reason? My big, is no, there that's not for reason? training. It's, it's, for, my, uh, it's, it's my, for safety. Yeah, it's my... I mean, that's... I don't like... I mean, honestly, it's too far for me to fall. Even on the pad, it hurts me. Um, it hurts my back. And then also, even if I'm not too far off the ground, but I'm really like doing, and there's like always these like crazy heel hooks and, you know, throwing your feet up. I don't like to be like that either because I just hitting the pad is not great for me. Okay. And the thing about the moon board, what you said is it's straight on it. It, you know, you got to throw your, your foot out here and there, but you're not heel hooking. Not very often. Yeah, that's on cheating on the moon board. Yeah. yeah. So that's <laughs> why I've kind of embraced it lately. <laughs> is because of that. But I mean, I climb some of the problems in there too. I just, I, it's just something I always like ask people. I just think it's interesting. You know, it, I can understand that the safe, that safety component that you just said, but I think a lot of people really wouldn't know the answer to why they're not climbing these problems that these professional setters did an amazing job creating with all these like crazy holds that these amazing shapers are making. You know, we have, uh, kilter as a company come and reset the whole gym every six weeks here in carbondale which is pretty rad and they do a great job and yeah, then i, mean, I see I, all I these people just sitting in, over by the moon yeah, board yeah and i'm not saying i don't climb on yeah. the moon board but I, i'm curious to know why they they are choosing that and if it's just because like that's what is the train the cool climbing on the boards is what's what's hot in the streets right now well it's also that i'm like i decided to put my time in on it to where i feel like i understand it and it's and it, and it is like a useful tool where I'm not just throwing myself at it. And that, I think that's the other thing, like advice I would have to people aside from the training, getting a, a coach is that, you know, go, if you go climb on it once and you're just kind of confused and not successful, like, no, you have, it's, you have to learn how to use these things sure. and you have to like spend a little time on them. And aside from getting stronger, even just getting know how to use it a little bit, will you'll, you'll start to be able to do problems sooner and, and like harder aside from whether you're getting stronger because your body's just like, Oh yeah, this is how this thing works. So that's what I, I mean. Lately I've just been doing it to like try to get, get, you know, to the soul of the moon board, like really just like be holding hands with Ben moon as if we were like uh, walking in a park somewhere in, in London. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, why don't you tell us how people can, Get you what, to tell them what to do. Yeah. <laughs> if you want me to tell you, you what tell to do. tell me what to do right now? Um, the, the, for, tra- for coaching, you would actually go to uh, training at the Front Climbing Club. And through that website, you can f- contact me or contact uh, tra- in training in general at the Front Climbing Club. So you're interested in doing a, a training program, program with me. And I pretty much work remotely with people anywhere in the world. And so that's probably the best way to find me for that. Uh, I'm also sometimes out there on the social media infrequently on Instagram uh, at D.A. Mersky. And I even rarely check Facebook. So probably Instagram would be the best way to get in touch with me. There you go. Yeah. And if you spend a large amount of your time at a gym looking up with your mouth slightly open like I do, then Dan probably can help you. Because <laughs> that's, that's really... The feeling, that feeling of aimlessness that you get is probably what he can cure the fastest and the best. A cure mm-hmm. for aimlessness. Yeah, that's, that's my specialty.
If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast. Or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com. <laughs>